This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result... You'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You are watching and listening to Chris and Lester to Like Die TV on YouTube and your favorite podcasts. Hi, everybody. Jerry Taggart here. Now, be sure to watch Chris and Lester to Like Die TV by subscribing on YouTube. I'm following them on social media for all the latest Leicester City news and information. Come on, you foxes! You're watching Lester Till I Die TV. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favorite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow, and join in now. Right, Chris. All right there. All right the back. Good evening, everybody. Hello, fellow Fox fans. How the devil are you? Um, apologies, first of all. We clash with England tonight. Are you bothered? I had forgotten it was on, to be honest with you. And we're going to come on to that later. It's interesting timing because we are going to be coming on to that. Um, this is Lester Till I Die. Uh, you can find us at Twitter, at Lester TID, Facebook, Lester Till I Die, the group and YouTube, Lester Till I Die TV. And if you're not watching on YouTube, please get over there and give us a subscribe. It would mean an awful lot and help the channel grow. And if you prefer to listen to us rather than watch us, and we've got, obviously, the uh, the football woman's totty on with me tonight in Julian, so why would you not want to watch? But if you prefer to listen back, you can catch us on all your favourite podcast platforms, including Amazon, Apple iTunes, Google, Anchor, Spotify, and Podcast. 
podcast addict. I will one week I will actually get podcast addict correct, or I'll need to get a new set of teeth. Uh, if you've got a smart speaker, just ask yours to play the podcast Lester till I die. You have to say the podcast. Otherwise, I think you get a, a, a half a dozen funeral directors coming up. So, um, welcome along. Yes, this evening it is the X on the uh, on the pitch show, and uh, I have to be careful. I want to say that as well. And uh, what have we got coming up tonight? I hear you ask. What have you got coming up tonight, Chris? There you are. I told you. I heard you ask it. We've got this. <laughs> Yes, do we bring back the reserve teams or go with Pep's idea of B teams in the lower league? And what's going to happen with the Newcastle takeover? What's the consequences for Leicester City? And transfers, how did it affect the players involved? And internationals, we're playing tonight. Too many too often? Great timing. We're going to find out later. Uh, well, we'll say find out. We'll certainly have a discussion about it. Talking about the uh, football woman's totty, let's bring him in now and uh, say good evening, Julian. How the devil are you, sir? Well, I've never been called that and I forgot to do my hair tonight as well, so I don't feel <laughs> quite like that, but uh, let's give it a go. I'm sure they'll be lined up ready to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Nippon, uh, good evening, sir. How the devil are you? Um, as you always say back to me. And my daughter, Heather, good evening. I know the devil is Papa. Papa is very well. I need to talk to you. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> yes, Heather. Um, go, go subscribe to the YouTube, everyone. I'll give ten thousand pounds to whoever subscribes in the next ten minutes. You would never. That is why you're not in sales, Heather. But you are in psychology, which worries me a little bit, to be honest with you. But uh, a lot, a lot been happening, Julian. Yeah, there is. There's obviously a lot of changes. I think we're going to touch on that later. You know, with Newcastle. Uh, you know, England are playing tonight, and there's a few bits we need to talk to about that. And then obviously the level of the game and the way it's developed. And I think there's some good topics in tonight. Well, let's um, let's get on with them, as they say. And of course, at the end, if you want to put any questions in the comments, if we've got time at the end, we'll uh, we'll certainly put those to Julian uh, and see what he says. Always interesting to get an ex-player's point of view. They know what they're talking about, where of course we <laughs> we don't. Well, that's what anyway, that's what Julian tells me. <laughs> we will see. But we're going to start with this. Peps have the idea, and I know they do it in Spain too. I think it is. Uh, I'm not sure if anywhere else about having. Premier League B teams in the lower division. So I'm presuming they're talking like League One, League Two. Now, I know I'm an old bugger here. Uh, I think I'm old, probably older than you, or definitely older than yourself. But I can remember years ago when you had reserve teams and you had separate leagues and they were run separately. So it wasn't a case of because, you know, your team's in the Premier League, therefore you were, if they were run as sort of separate entities. But anybody who wasn't playing that week in the first team squad, but was sort of, you know, over the, the, the under 21 age group would play in the reserve teams and it got, kept you fit. I mean, you know, when you look at say somebody like, um, let's say, uh, Daka or, 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 or um, uh, Inacho, when they're not playing, they're basically not getting game time and, you know, they're not getting to know their other players. Would, is that not a better idea? I think so. Uh, you know, from my experience and, and the, the reserve league uh, in my time was absolutely fantastic. It was called the Pontins League, sponsored by Pontins, obviously. And yeah. 
it was like the clues you, there. Yeah, yeah. But it was like <laughs> yeah. you said, if you if if you if the player, it doesn't matter who they were, what status they had, if they weren't playing at the weekend, or if they were been on the bench, they would be in the reserve league. And I know Pep's mm. talking about putting B teams in, but one that pushes out other clubs really, unless you make the leagues bigger and then you've got you know more con- you know contracted yeah. you know fixtures. Um, but the, the, the Pontins League at the time was so competitive. I mean, we even had, I remember being at Chef Wednesday and we had a, a bonus scheme if we got from the second division to the first division. And you know, to give reserve team players a bonus, I'm not saying it was the biggest bonus of all time, and it and it absolutely yeah. wasn't. It it lasted as a night in, in a in a pub, as I remember, but um it, <laughs> it, but, the days, eh? but, but the thing was that you know, I played on Anfield, I played at Old Trafford. Yeah. Uh, I played at Goodison Park. In fact, I made a debut for Chef Wednesday at Goodison Park in the reserve team against mm. a very strong Everton reserve team. So I sort of see what Pep's saying with the B teams, but they were our B teams. And now yeah. they seem reluctant to play them unless it's in a professional match, whereas those they were considered professional matches back in those days. And they were yeah. unbelievably you know, competitive and you know, we need to get back to that, but it seems, I think like you are saying, you're an old bugger, Chris, it seems the mentality has come away from where that was. Yeah. And I think, you know, younger pros, particularly, you know, the English lads coming through are suffering from this mentality because the bigger clubs are just signing players rather than bringing the talent through. Yeah. And, and you've got, I mean, there's 24 teams in like League One and League Two. I don't think you could do it in the champion uh, championship at all. But, you know, to, to, it's the... Not necessarily the fitness levels, because obviously they're training every day and you've got like, you know, the new Seagrave training complex, which is amazing. But it's just, you know, you can't expect a player to come on for 10, 15 minutes, possibly every other game, and know exactly where his colleagues are going to be. You know, we've seen it when balls have been, you know, Vardy's gone off and balls have been played through and Dak has been on. And Dak has not been there because he doesn't know, you know, because he's not mm. been... Thing. And if you still got the under 21s, and I know you can put some overs in there, but you just keep the unders for the unders and let them progress. And you know, you, you get a 25 man squad, and you can't play all that 25 man squad every week. No, and I think the problem with the under 21s and the older players playing in that is, and I, and I think I've alluded to this before on the show, is that the games aren't competitive. They're played at such a slow place. They're played on training grounds with no fans there whatsoever. And and, and again, going back, you know, 30 years, which is when I was playing reserve team yeah. football, is that, you know, fans came in and actually yeah. fans came in to watch reserve team players. And if, you yeah. know, if we had Chris Waddle, which he did play in the reserves, and Steve Nickel and John Arks and players like that, yeah. fans would come down and, and watch the reserve team and yeah. watch the players. But then they'd also be aware of developing players that were coming through and they'd got sort of an affinity and a relationship with those players. And they'd probably willing those to make it through to the first team. Whereas now, Everyone is so focused on the first eleven and you know the subs that go with mm. it, uh, and you're absolutely right. And the, and the ones who aren't in that first eleven and aren't getting the game time, they are really losing out on you know competitive match time. And then what we do see is that they send them out on loan, but they send them out on loan for a season. And I don't know what that does to really. It's more like the manager saying like, I "Don't need you this season, off you pop, and uh, yeah. we'll see how you get on and and how you come back." And I don't know what that does to a player's you know confidence, if I'm honest. So, you know, for me, keep it in-house, get this, you know, if they could get reserve league. I don't imagine they ever will, 
but it was an amazing thing at the time. And I, I particularly remember playing for, for Rotherham United, my first club, and we played Nottingham Forest in uh, a reserve team fixture. And Brian Clough being Brian Clough, it was the week before they played in, I think it was a League Cup final. So this would have been early 90s. Mm. And he put out virtually the first team and he said to them, go and play for your place in the final. And that was a great experience for us as young lads. You know, I, was, I think I was marking Nigel Jemson and there were, there were all, you know, all types of first team players on the pitch. And it, and it was just great for us to bring us on. And But it, as that got bigger and bigger with the bigger clubs, obviously they were, you had sort of fringe first team players playing against fringe first team players. So it was super competitive. And the yeah. fact we don't do that now just seems it seems ridiculous. I mean, Rob says here, what's wrong with Premier League too? I mean, I think that's basically what we would be alluding to. But you would have, you know, you could have Derby reserves in that top division of the reserves because it's done totally separate, you know. And you know, you get teams like Chelsea, they go out and they buy all these youngsters up and then just loan them out to lower league clubs with no intention possibly of ever actually, well, very few of them will actually make it through. But, you know, I mean, you I don't know if you were around there, but Friday night football at, at mm-hmm. Filbert Street, you know, the crowds would go. If, you know, if you've got somebody like Madison Evans that's been injured and are slowly making a come, you know, wanting to make the comeback, there's ideal games for them. And they're not up against kids, to be honest with you, who are out to make a name for themselves against the big names. They're there in competitive matches, playing playing the peers, and you would go, oh, God, we're going to see um, uh, Luckman or we're going to see Nacho play tonight. And it gives them that, <laughs> it gives them the, pl- the playing time. Well, on, on the on the fan side, I think it's a great thing for the kids because you can take your kids. It's not as crowded. Mm. It's not as bustling. You know, you, you don't have to worry about parking. You're going to walk straight in and you are going to watch, you know, like I say, back in my day, you'd be watching three or four what you would call regular first teamers, you know, yeah. you know, on the pitch. And I totally agree with what Rob says, but the, for us, the Premier League two was the Pontins Reserve League. That was yes. the Premier League two. Yes. You know, yes. but it's now that we can't play first team players in a reserve league because they're too big for that. And again, it, that comes into it. You know, is it the money side of it? Is it that they're not going to play in that league? Are they not going to put you know the full effort in? Because again, those days were if, if a first team player went in the reserve team. And he didn't put the effort in because he was a bit naffed off that he wasn't in the first team. He wouldn't be in the first team Saturday or the Saturday after until he started to pull his finger out and put some um, performances in in the reserve team and help the younger players come through, which, again, is another absolutely fantastic product of of that, is that you've got these older players with the younger Mm. players and talking them through games and the experience that that gives younger players. It's, like, phenomenal, but they don't get it these days because, like you say, it's an under-21s and they might have one or two older players in, but they've not got the mix and don't feel like they're on a level playing field as we did in those no. days. And, no. you know, for me, it was just the best grounding, you know, I could have had as a young professional. I mean, um, Frankie the Fox there, be careful how I said that, loan spells give players regular competitive football and enhances player development. Totally agree with you. And I know in answer to that, Frankie, I'd say Kieran Dewsbury Hall. Last season, he went to Luton, he tore everything up at Luton. He was winning awards left, right, and centre. So he's in our squad now for the, the, the. But how much playing time is he getting? Last season, he was he was playing week in, week out, which has probably made him the player that he is now when he comes on. But this season, he he maybe comes on for fifteen minutes here, fifteen minutes there. We're not going to get the same player because he's not 
playing as much as he was last season. So, yes, I agree with you, Frankie. The loan spells work up to a point. But when those loan spells have worked and that player looks really, really good and we bring him in, we're not giving him playing time. Dakar, everybody's saying, why weren't we playing Dakar? Because at that time, we, you know, it wasn't the position for him. But if he's the reserve team, he's, I just think it's... I just can't understand... Why? And I think he was, um, was it Kevin Keegan at Newcastle was one of the first managers to get rid of the reserve team. I could be wrong there. Um, but uh, I just think, and who would we get rid of? Like you say, Julian, what would we do? 24 teams in those two divisions. Surely we can't make it any bigger. So our team's going to drop out. No, and, and, and you know, going back to that previous comment, I, I do agree that they do bring on your development. But mm. for instance, at Sheffield Wednesday, I went to play for Shrewsbury, who were in you know League Two, and Wednesday were Premier League. So, yeah. was that going to Bennett? Was that going to give me enough development to get into a Premier League team? Maybe not at the time, and it was great for me because I went there for two months and played solidly for two months with a great mm. set of lads and a great manager, and I loved every moment of it. But it was probably mm. that you know I needed to get away because. Even in the reserves, my sort of levels were dropping because I could see that I'd not got a chance to get in the first team. So yeah. for me, it was like a sabbatical, get away and go and enjoy myself, you know, for a couple of months. But then on the other side, when I was at uh, Leicester, I went to Huddersfield, who, who uh, it was a very competitive season for them. It was the great escape. And that really was bringing me back from injury. So there's a, there's two different sides to the yeah. loan, you know. If they, and these days, to be fair, the, the, the bigger clubs are sending them to very, very competitive teams. So I do sort of get that, but is it yes. announcing the way they're going to play in your team, in your system, the way you want to play? You know, there's a few differences there, but it also says to me when a manager sends a player away for a, for a season, mm. you know, in your head, you know, I, I've been on loan for a month and I've been along for two months and I've been called back after a month and, you know, the team needs you and you're back in the squad and that you feel good about that. It's, to say, you know, mm. go away. For, I don't need you this season. For me, it's a, it's a total... Yeah you know, different mindset to get through. But I think you can run both of those things side by side. You know, you yeah. can have your reserve team and your reserve league and still the level below that, you know, loan players out. It's just like I say, when, and I say, I use the Dewsbury Hall example, great at Luton, bring him back. He's hardly getting any pitch time at the moment. And we look at the League One table. I mean, you know, in League One, you've got Wigan Athletic, ex-Premier League, Sunderland, ex-Premier League, um... Sheffield Wednesday, you know, yeah. uh, ex Premier League, Ipswich Town. You know, you've got some big names down there, and you, you know, you're expecting them to, I don't know what, drop out. Uh, you know, League League Two, you've got Swindon, you've got, um, um, I'm sure you've got some of the Portsmouth that we got in there, but you know, what Oldham, you know, wh wh who do you take out, and is it fair on other teams? And then what happens? I was reading before. Sometimes in the Spanish league, the B team gets further in the cup competition than the A team does. And then can they play the A team in the B team? I don't, I don't know how that well, one works. I mean, exactly. I think for me, like, you know, there's got to be a strong case for the reserve team. I think if you put B teams in, like you say, you're pushing professional mm. clubs with a lot of tradition and history, you know, out of the league. That That's totally not fair to say we're a massive club. We deserve to have two teams in this league. It, it shouldn't be allowed. I don't agree with it, you know, no. um, in, in the slightest. And I, I know going back again to the, to the Pontins League, I remember the first sort of time when you could see the shift in movement was that Manchester United re moved their games from Old Trafford. I think it was to Bury. I remember playing a game at Bury against mm. Manchester United Reserves and 
that then was the start of, you know, we don't want that reserve team football. Yeah. It was, you know, we don't want it on our pitch. I mean, the technology that they've got on pitches and the, you know, the state that pitches are in now, which is absolutely pristine week in, week yeah. out, full of grass year round. I, I can't see why they can't handle a couple of games a week. And, you know, the only answer for me is to bring that back. I, I don't see it happening the way that the game goes. It's about money. Mm. There's a lot of egos involved. But, you know, if you made a competitive reserve team league again, uh, which would be a mixture, like you say. So if you've got this 25-man squad, you've got 11 starting. I mean, there's like 14 missing out for a start. A few mm-hmm. subs come on. You've got plenty of players there to put in there. And then it is this yeah. about bringing your young players through in a in a very grown-up, very, very yeah. professional Premier League environment, albeit, you know, the Reserve League. But right yeah. now, they're not. You know, they get farmed out to lower leagues. And I think the yes. development would be much, much, much better and much quicker to bring them through. Uh, in that environment with the players that they're at that club with and they can do it. it. It's almost like there's a step missing on the ladder, isn't there? You know, as you said, they come back from, no disrespect, from a a Plymouth, a Barrow, a Stevenage, whatever, uh, and then there's nothing up and... And I say, I know I've said it twice already, but Kieran Dewsbury Hall is a perfect example for me. And then you were saying about the pitch, I mean, you know, a lot of the teams now, and certainly Leicester, they're letting the ladies' teams play on, on mm. the main pitch. So, like you say, these pitches can take more than one game. And we are playing, because we're playing Europa League on there yeah. as well on a, a midweek. So, it, it can be done, I think. And even if they even if they do them at, at, at another ground, let's say you go to watch the fact that you're going to see players that you might not be... You might not be able to get a season ticket or, you know... I just, I just think it's a missed opportunity. I agree. And do you know what? Before you said missed opportunity, that's exactly what I was going to say. There's this thing of fans who might not be able to get to first team games coming to watch the stars that they want to see. There's the opportunity for the players to play. Um, You know, I've seen reserve team fixtures in modern days on training grounds and they are a million miles away from what you see on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon in the Premier League. And I mean a million miles away. They are like training ground practice sessions. And I don't see the benefits that anyone gets from that. Uh, and, you know, like I say, for me, will it happen? I don't think so. And it's such a shame because it could do. Uh, it would enhance the game, you know, anyway. But particularly for English youngsters coming through would be absolutely yeah. amazing. And it's, yeah. it's a big, big shame. Rob, got your question. We'll try and fit that in at the end with Julian. Um, the other course, the other thing is just don't buy so many bloody players. <laughs> Put it bluntly, you know. You know you've got 25 um, and that is literally two for every position and a couple of spares. Um, do you need such big squads? Because you've got obviously the you know your, your academy players as well. Don't spend the money. Well, I know, but I think you know when you're looking at the real top level now. And and again, I always I always say it, a lot goes down to money and the, you know success. Mm. I mean, I know we're going to talk about Newcastle in a bit, and you know they've come in straight away and said that their aim is you know to win the Premier League and be competing at the top. So. You know, if they spend the funds wisely with whoever, that's going to be another one in the mix. And when we talk about top six and who should be in the top six, that dynamic's going to change again with a another, you know, uh, mm. club coming into that foreground. Yeah. And the thing that I would point to is that, you know, Man City won the league uh, and then they had uh, injury to Laporte and they had terrible injuries at centre-back. Uh, and Liverpool then went to Wonder League, and then Liverpool had terrible injuries at centre back. And there was just that thing of they did have cover, but the cover then got injured. And you know, and I suppose at that level, 
when the money they have available, they will always say, you know, we need this kind of squad to compete at, at the top and to keep being successful for the fans. And the fans would agree with that. Uh, and those two seasons really highlighted it for me. For And it was both down to center, central defender injuries, you know, cost the two teams the title the year when they were defending it. Yeah. You mentioned Newcastle, you mentioned central defenders. We're going to come on to that straight after this. Fancy an idea with the eight with the eight. It's the X on the Pip Show with Chris and Xbox Julian Watts. Looking back at the past week at all things Leicester City. How can a club go from being absolutely loved and most people's second clubs to being hated within the space of 24 hours? Call yourself Newcastle United. I mean, I actually had a chat last night, Julie, with a guy, a Newcastle United fan, and uh, does his, his, his own channel. And I was really pleased for him because at the end of the day, I don't begrudge them being taken over at all. I mean, you know, not so long ago, that was us. And, you know, when you look at Arsenal moaning about Arteta and they're not qualified for Europe for a season, try living where Newcastle have been for <laughs> the past 14 years under an owner that appeared not to care, although it looks like it's going to work out in favour of them with the uh, with the pricing and what have you. Um, suddenly, everybody's hating them because they've been linked with every player and every manager going, you know. I mean, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Yeah, I think it's a good thing for the club. I mean, aside yeah. from obviously there's some sort of reasoning for, you know, uh, with the country involved and things like that, that have, um, you know, halted the progress of the the takeover, which I, I'm not going to get involved in. I don't really know, you know, no. lots about that. But I think for the club itself, for the fans themselves, they'll all be delighted. And I think, I think with Mike Ashley, he's just a businessman and he's yeah. not, you know, and I think a lot of um, people will take over clubs and will, probably throw more money than they really want to at the club and sometimes more money than they can afford, especially historically. And I think with Mike Astley, he's just run it as, a, as an absolute 100% as a business. And that doesn't really sit well uh, with supporters because it means difficult de- decisions. It means tight budgets. It means every transfer window Newcastle have talked about because they don't look like they're going to you know, buy anyone. Um, you know, obviously, when they, they they were blessed with having Rafa Benitez, who we spoke about last week, and you know, I held him in such high regard, and yeah. you know, then they brought in you know Steve Bruce and the struggles that you know he's had as a manager. I mean, they still have a squad of very very good players, um, but it, it's just that the expectancy, and a, and a bit like us in the last few years, you know, even this season when we've had the success we've had in the last five or six years. And but the success they've had and the expectancy, and then it is really gone to the other end of the table. And it would be like us now going to the other end of the table and saying, "Blimey, what's happened? We won the league a few years ago. Mm. We've just won the FA Cup. We've just done this. We're in Europe every year. Why, you know, what yeah. what has happened?" And we'd be, you know, dumbfounded as well, I suppose. And if it was, you know, the the same owners that we've got now, and I would never have envisaged that happening. There would be the frustrations from ourselves as well. So I think that's what they've endured. And I think for the fans, they'll just be absolutely delighted. You know, for me, like I say, he's a businessman who's just and and he's maybe maybe they should be grateful that he's kept the club going. Maybe they should be grateful he's kept it afloat. He's done it in his way. It's just not pleased everyone. But right now, Newcastle United is a Premier League club. 
and he's brought yeah. you know some big financing who, who, who've taken over eventually and and everything looks bright so they might look back one day and, and thank him but i doubt it I think I doubt it as well, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think that's an understatement. Sort of an accident, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually watched um and it was an old interview on Sky did it about six or seven years ago. And you know, the guy was saying, you know, I am not a rich per I am not an owner like Manchester City have got, you know, like Liverpool have got. Yes, I'm a rich man but it's all wallpaper money because it's all in shares. And I can't go out and just give the club 25 million because I haven't got 25 million spare, you know, yeah. and you're thinking, yeah, that's fine. And then, and, and, and the words have, have failed me, but, you know, now Newcastle haven't got to worry about this facet, fair play league, um, because he has kept them in check. They've not gone out of business. And sometimes I think, you know, we all want an owner that's behind the club, that loves the club, but, you know, sometimes they can go absolutely mad because it's the club they want. They can want success too much and throw money at something that's just not... Look at Derby, you know, mm -hmm. as, as best as they tried, they were just throwing money at it season after season and it didn't really work. Oh, you might end up with another Leeds who yeah. try to live the dream. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, it, and it's taken Leeds so many years to recover. And that was, I mean, from my recollection, I remember David Leary being the manager and, and the aim was, and they really, I think they had a really good season and then invested heavily because it was Champions League and what yeah. they were going to do next. And it was a disastrous season. And, it, and you know, that in itself just, you know, buckled the club for years and years yeah. to come. And yeah. And like I say, you know, you know, hopefully some days, you know, Newcastle fans might have a better view of Mike because he's, you know, they're in a decent position. I know they don't, they don't spend a lot of money. They probably, you know, had to wind in their aspirations, but, you know, they've signed Joe Linton, they've signed Wilson yeah. from, you know, who I think is a fantastic yeah. player would, you know, probably a great fit for Leicester, if I'm honest, but, you know, they I would have, have spent, had him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they have spent, you know, a little bit of money and I look at the team and it, it's not, uh, not horrendous. And, you know, it's like I say, they're still challenging in the Premier League uh, with Rafa. They did ever so well. Steve Bruce, I've sort of been, he, he seems quite negative in his interviews and I'm, I'm not, a, a fan mm -hmm. is a you know he's a great player, but as a manager, he he, he talks himself down and he's, he's always woe is me, everything's going against him and what have you. But he's not got the worst squad of players, uh, mm -hmm. and I suppose it's how you, your outlook is and how how you go and put them out on the pitch. But and and if I'm honest, I don't see him lasting that long. But um, yeah, no, that, I think that, he... you know that's just football. Are there you know? Yeah. And I think he knows that. And I think there's a few yeah. comments he's made this week, which again I don't agree with when you're in the hot seat like he is, but. You know, it, they're going to come in with a lot of ambition, and I don't think they, for one minute, going to think because they'll have been thinking about this for a long time. They're going to think that Steve Bruce is the man to take the club forward. So, you know, and I, the, the the names that have come up in the press today, obviously Brendan, uh, Gerard, people like that. You know, they're they're going to be ambitious. They're going to have a checkbook, uh, and they're going to want to move forward. And they're going to want to move forward really, really quickly. And that is again another not a problem. And I took I always talk about money, but that is the thing today. Fan, things happen and fans just want that instant success, which is so, so difficult. And Rob's just made a comment there, which I totally agree with. Great to have Newcastle competing at the top again. But then it just mm. puts that extra team in there. And every one of those, maybe eight, nine, ten teams, they're all saying every year, we should be in the top four. And you don't have yeah. a right to be in the top four, no. as no. we're finding out this season. 
Uh, and I think as well, with, with you know, we've got to be careful we don't turn into Scotland where every season, and it is becoming like this, you know the top four is going to be the top four. Yeah. You know, we, we've tried to break that up for the last couple of seasons, haven't quite managed it. But you know, you know, where everybody's saying now, I haven't spoken to a fan of any other club in the Premier League who said any other team other than the four that are in it are going to end up in the top four. You know, the, the, the Man City, your Chelsea, your Liverpool, your Man United, in whatever order. Uh, it'll be interesting to ski. At, to ski. It'll be interesting to see how Sky react because they've got their... Well, let's not call them the big six. Let's call them their favourite six. And it's whether they will allow Newcastle into that club or not. Um, I don't know what Newcastle's fan base is like worldwide compared to the others uh, because they have not been there for so long. But I just, I want them to do well. But I don't think, you know, all these, all these things about who's linked and this and who's linked that, it's all newspaper talk at the moment. They've only been in the job two days. It is. I mean, all the newspaper talk is tomorrow's fish paper, isn't it? So yeah. they get down at the chippy. But, you know, I think it, the, the biggest decision they're, they're going to make in the short term is um, the, the manager that they bring in. It's going to be so important because the manager is going to bring the players in and going to set them up. And that's where, you know, um, the success comes from. And if they make that wrong choice in the first instant, and I'm sure they've got a shortlist, uh, you know, that's going to be the crux of yeah. how successful they're going to be in the next six months. And I, I think they're wanting, you know, by the, by the way they've talked as they've come in and by the the fact that this this takeover has been sort of bubbling for such a long time, they must have, I think they must have known for a while it's going to go through, but just know they had to jump through hoops to get there. So yes. in all that time, there's going to be so much planning on the football side gone on in the background which is not going to become apparent until obviously now that they're in the hot seat so yeah i think it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks when we get back after the international break uh, massive decisions for them to make and you know obviously the biggest one will obviously be you know who the manager is and yeah. what funds they give him yeah and leicester fan channel go give them a a, a follow hi and how the devil are you sir uh great there's a great leicester channel there brennan is on the lash in the tune i mean i i i think it is all newspaper the, the fafana apparently is linked with them um i've seen some of their fans saying they went want jamie vardy i mean sensible owners will go right we've, we've now we're in Let's just take a season, and this is, I think, is what a lot of the sensible Newcastle fans are saying: is let's take let's take the rest of this season, consolidate. Yeah, okay, maybe Bruce is is going to go, uh, but I think they've got to have a long term structure because who are they mm. going to get in January? Well, whoever they're going to get, they're going to be added ten million pounds on. Now they know the richest club in the world's coming knocking on the door. Teams are going to up the price, um, so they're going to be pay paying over the odds. So it'll be interesting to see how how they do deal with it. Anthony, good evening, Anthony, Arsenal fan. Welcome along. How the devil are you? Uh, big up, Chris. It won't surprise me if they get Stephen Gerrard as manager, like Rogers did with Celtic to Leicester. That that's well, he's he's Sliggy's second favourite, possibly. Do you think? Because I was listening to Talk Sport the other morning, and they have Simon Jordan on. I love him and, and Jim White. A lot of people hate him, but I, I love him. I just think he gets that big spoon, sticks it into the pot of whatever story, and he stirs it. But the thing you've got to respect with him, he's owned a club. He knows how these things work. And he's basically said, yeah, it's good for Newcastle. It's good for the fans. But it's actually almost a bad thing that it's such a big takeover because 
they are going to up the price because you know you as a you as a next player, if, if Chelsea approach you, Julian, when you were at your high and say, "Do you want to come and play for us?" You go, "Oh, London, that's quite nice." If Manchester City go Manchester United, you might go, "Oh yeah, Manchester." You know the, the you know the 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 happy Mondays and they got the sound of Manchester and all that, and Liverpool's not so far, and Newcastle. <laughs> well, so to attract you to maybe out of the three, they've got to pay that extra on top of the extra that's already being asked by the club because they know it's Newcastle. It is just going to bump the prices up across the board, isn't it? It is, and I think I think Manchester City particularly suffered with that. Obviously, with the takeover and where they were at the time, and you know you could see the ambitions, and obviously there was like you know it was a there was there was no bottom to the pot. I don't think of, of money they had to spend and. I think they had to cope with that for a while, but then they just become. And I think now, as like the Champions League and obviously that silly Europe, Europe League, you know, Super European mm-hmm. League was talked about. I think, I think the the you know Europe's become smaller as clubs are concerned. So, yeah. you know, um, you know, Newcastle will be in there and they will be quoted more, but only in in line with probably all you know your PSGs and your Barcelonas. Madrid's, Milan, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas I think, you know, going back 20 years when Newcastle were, you know, were really flying, it was probably a different proposition then because I think at that time, you know, the the England players had been to Spain, they'd been to Italy and then the Premier League was the massive, massive, you know, draw and everyone was coming over here. And that was the time where, you know, like, you know, your Middlesbrough's had the money with Steve Gibson and Brian Robson in charge. Um, And and that was the persuasion then. Do you want to come up and play up north? You know, on a, on a December afternoon, and, yes. but I, I do think that I do think that dynamics changed a bit now. In, in the fact, I just think Europe's a tighter uh, community football-wise. Um, so I don't I don't think it's an issue. Then, yeah, they will be quoted more as soon as they're in for any for anybody. And I think, you know, like I say, the re- the manager that they pick and the recruitment of the players in the January window, and then obviously the summer will be sort of not, not crucial, crucial because they'll be, mm. they must give someone some time to turn it around from where they are now to expectations of, you know, probably top eight, top six. Um, but they'll want to invest, I think, quickly. And I think they want to show the fans. I think they, 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 they feel the fans pain. I think they're not daft mm. people. They're very clever, smart business people who see that Newcastle town has got, you know, the, the town itself has got so much potential with the fan base. And they'll want to. I think they'll want to give them a good news story very, very quickly. Yes, you know, and yeah. that comes with the manager, the first player they sign, you know, marquee players, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, you know, like I agree with you, it should be a long-term project. I think they'll just want some good news stories quite quickly. Is it too soon before we move on to to, to the next topic? Is it too soon for Brendan to think about moving? I mean, he's got. Um, you know, he, he had the reputation when he came from Celtic that always walked out on Celtic that was his club that he loved, blah blah blah. And we know that if we're realistic, and I've, I've said this, Brendan is not going to be with Leicester, he's not going to be an Alex Ferguson. I don't think he'll be with us for years. He's come to Leicester to rebuild his career and show what he can do. This season will be interesting because he's had two very good seasons, he's won us the FA Cup, he's got us into Europe. Not going well. Let's see how he handles this. If he walks out on us now, is he going to get a bit of a reputation or has he done his probation and, and now? Well, I, I said we agreed too much last week, Chris, and we needed to disagree <laughs> more. And I'm going to really disagree with you on this one. So for, from my 
sort of point of view with Brendan, who I think did a great job, you know, did a good job at Liverpool, talked yeah. about, you know, that season he had and all that. I think with Celtic, <clears throat> you know, at the time they were the dominant team and I'm not saying any manager could have gone in there and done what he did, but he did a very good job and, you know, they were, he maintained them as the top team. And I think he came to Leicester and it, <clears throat> it might have been a project to him, but they were a team, you know, obviously after winning the league, the potential, he sees the owners. In my opinion, he would be an absolute mug to, to leave Leicester City now. And I think, personally, the only way he will leave Leicester is if he is if he leaves by mutual consent or is sacked. I don't think he'd be sacked, but I think by yeah. mutual consent. I can't, I can't think that in his mind he thinks he can go to Newcastle and make it a bigger club than Leicester right now. It's a massive task, massive pressure. He's in the middle of a fishbowl. And I'll tell you something now, that is, uh, it's a it's a tough, tough challenge, you know, for anyone uh, to take on. And I think it'd be a mug. And I think, you know, where are we now? Obviously, we're a bit lower in the league, but I think we're still mm. top eight, top six club. He's not going to get the Liverpool job again. He's not going to get Chelsea. Yeah. Maybe got a chance of the Spurs in the future if he, if he does well. He's not going to get yeah. Chelsea, not going to get Man U, not going to get Man City. So, you know, for me, he's at the right club. I think yeah. he's at the right club with yeah. the right owners. We've spoke about this many a time. Uh, what I, I think he'd be, like I say, a mug because he's yeah. in such a good place. And what, for me, he needs to do is, you know, obviously they've got to turn this season around because it's not started the best. And this will show, you know, his ability and his, his mettle as a coach and a manager. Yeah. Uh, to, to leave now, for me, would be, um, I think it would be, I don't think he would leave. So while I'm saying this, I'm not I'm not envisaging this is what Brendan's no. doing. But what no. I'm saying is I think if he left now, it'd be like, he can't, he can't do this job. Yes. So I'm, I'm just going to move on. Yes. And yes. I think it would, because then if he went to Newcastle and failed, and I think yes. then really people would start to look and say, oh, do you know what? You did that, you left that, you left that, you left that. And then I think it would become a talking point, if I'm honest. I think, you know, <clears throat> it'd be a really bad decision for him. And I... And yes. I you know, the, the next manager. So they talked about Gerard. Is he ready for that amount of pressure? Because it will be unbelievable pressure. Yeah. For me, I think it's probably more likely a big European, you know, maybe a Conte or, mm. or somebody like that um, to come in who's been used to that. And how long, you know, how long the last, it might be ridiculous because yeah. we all know, you know, we're talking about the Watford last week. Yes. How long yeah. their managers last. So, yeah, he, he, he can't leave. He can't leave. No. I think it would be a disastrous decision. I need to come up with some topics we're not going to agree on, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> really, really am. I mean, I mean, to me, Bren, what Brendan Rodgers did at Celtic, okay, yes, he did the treble, treble, etc. But for most of the time he was there, and we know that Scotland is Celtic or Rangers, for most of his time there, he didn't even have a Rangers because they'd been dumped down to the fourth tier and were slowly making the way back up. So he had to be a manager of Joe Kinnear stroke Harry Bassett kind of stature to, to, to cock that up. So mm. what he did as um, at Celtic, yes, it was good, but not as impressive as maybe the Celtic fans like to think. But do you think... And going back to, say, Man United here, when, when they got rid of Ferguson, do you need to be the man who follows the man who follows? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're talking about Brendan at Celtic, it could have been Mike Bassett, never mind Harry Bassett. But, I um... know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a massive task because, 
again, you know, we, we, we've experienced this, you know, this uh, uplift in the last few seasons. And like we talked about right at the beginning of the show, you know, Newcastle yeah. have had this slump for years when they've been up there, you know, with the Keegans and the dog leashes at the helm, you know, mm-hmm. etc. Bobby Robson and, and the expectation and the fantastic players that the, you know, they've had on the books, you know, you look at the Ginolas and the Shearers and the Andy Coles and all that. And then they've had to, you know, sort of wind it back a bit and just put up with this. And and then now it's like a new dawn. Uh, and and it, it's every Newcastle now is thinking that next season they're going to be at least challenging for the Premier League, uh, which yes. we all know is not that easy. Uh, but yeah. that is the expectation on the new manager coming in. And I, and I think that's massive. And I think it needs to go to a very, very, you know, it'd be someone like, and he was not going to be there because he's a Real Madrid manager, but someone like an Ancelotti who's been round and, you know, dealt with that pressure in different countries. It's got to be a, a big, big name. And, you know, I wouldn't, I don't envy the person who, who goes in it. It's a, it's a massive, massive job. And if they pull it off, you know, they'll uh, they'll be loaded for a long time to come. I mean, do you think with... Um... Ancelotti, when he walked out on Everton, I think Conte, who's, who's, I don't think he's working at the moment, seems to be the obvious choice for yeah. them. And like yeah. you say, it's got to be a big name, hasn't it? It's got to be someone who's used to dealing with the, you know, these days the pressure of the media, the pressure of the home fans. You mm. know, we've seen Steve, Steve Bruce stood there the other week with just fans booing him. I mean, that, you know, it can't be nice. And it needs yeah. to be someone who can come in and, you know, like Benitez has gone to Everton and really change the expectations of the club on an absolute shoestring. But, you know, this guy's got to come in with a, you know, big wallet in his back pocket and spend some money and and produce results from it. Uh, and, and I think that takes someone of vast experience who's probably, you know, managed in a couple of different countries, must have won a few things. You know, it's uh, like I say, I mean, I love Steve Gerrard. I think he's been up there very quietly. It's out of the way mm. in Scotland, got on with things and done an amazing job. And he is going to be, I would, I would assume one day he's going to be, Liverpool's manager. I think we know that's going to come on, don't we? Yeah, we all all sort of see that in him, but is he ready for this right now? I mean, he might be. He might be, but, uh, you know, I'm not not so sure. I I think it's got to go to to someone a bit bigger with a, you know, a a broader CV. Let me just say to any any Newcastle fans that that are watching tonight, um, Peter Taylor is back managing at Welling. So... (laughs) 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 <laughs> and I tell you what, the the other thing, I think you still got um, Alan Pardew on your wage bill. I don't know if you've actually finished paying him off for his twenty five year contract, or whatever was given to him. Yeah, you might be able to, you might be able to bring him in. We're going to move on. I just got to leave leave you with this thought on Newcastle. Tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. <laughs> Indeed, Kevin. Oh God, I love that. I love that. Right, moving on. We um uh we need to we need to move on. Um part three, which I'm desperately trying to, to find, and here we are. Transfer talk. Um, you know, there's a lot of transfer rumors now with Newcastle, and there always is rumors. You know, we've got 24-hour news channels, sports channels blogs, shows like this, and everything to fill with talk and what have you. So there's always going to be rumours. But I just wondered, as a player, when you hear, let's say, that the team you're playing for has been linked with another defender, how does that make you feel? Uh, It's not great at all. And, you know, I've got a perfect example, and it it was at Leicester. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and it, it just makes you feel that you know the manager doesn't rate you. You know, because if he's, if he's looking to put you, you know, someone in your place or buy someone in your position, then he obviously mm. doesn't think you're, you know, performing to the levels that he wants you to perform at. Uh, and the, the great example for me is Matty Elliott, who is still a friend of mine now, who I love mm. playing. We love playing together. You know, he always liked to play with me. We, we had a great understanding on the pitch, but the way that the gaffer played, we rarely played together unless it was, you know, due to injuries. We It was either him played or I played. Yeah. Uh, and like I say, big, big mates get on great. Uh, and but I remember him being linked with us, and then I know Soonus was trying to sign him for Southampton and showed my age now. I was flicking, you know, I was watching the teletext pages flick through, <laughs> <laughs> and then and, and, you know, and he was having talks with Southampton, and the next thing it was that you know, he'd signed for us. And I was, I remember like lying on my settee, just like you know, the afternoon in the afternoon watching the teletext, you know, drift by and. And that happened, and straight away I think, right, you know, that's that's not good news for me. Mm. Uh, and it, you know, obviously it affects you because you think, you know, he's going to start the next game. I'm not going to play. Uh, you know, what what's my position then? Um, and you know, when he came in, you know, the gaffer didn't really talk to me about it. He just he arrived. I think I think he made his own debut. He had a great game again. I think it was Wimbledon at home. Uh, had a really good game. Uh, and like I say, great lad, great player. Love him to bits. And, and we had, you know, we, we've always got on, which is strange in that scenario. But, you know, the, the arrival of him, you know, shortened my career at Leicester and obviously made him, you know, meant I made less appearances for the club. Mm. So disappointing for myself. Like I say, you know, it, it's nice that actually someone who did it, well, I got on with, because if someone comes in, you don't get on, then it's just doubly bad, isn't it? But, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's a tough thing because you know directly it's, it's pointed at you. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, the doubts then creep in. And then when you do play, talked about this before, that, you know, the confidence that you have, you don't take your normal game onto the pitch because you you think, you know, if I do this bad and when he's back from injury, I'm going to be out again. And there's a thousand things running through your head and it, it, it's not a great thing for a player. Uh, and like I say, went through it and, um, you know, I think I left, you know, uh, it was about a year later. But I mean, the, yeah. the fortunate side for me, which ended up badly, actually, was that he, he was cup-tied and I played all the League Cup fixtures apart from the final. Uh, obviously, Matty was, was cup-tied, so I ended up getting a bit more game time that season. But uh, yeah, it affects you mentally, definitely. Yeah. If you know Matt, will you tell him I don't bite? I'm trying to get him on. I'm trying to get him on the channel. And he is... Um, He's very shy, you know. He's so very shy. You must see that in the way he played. To be <laughs> yeah, I've seen the blood dripping down. Is uh, <laughs> I actually know uh, the guy that helps run the, the ME Sports and etc. And he's yeah. he actually said the same. He said he's very shy. He's not out there like most ex footballers. <laughs> Don't know why I thought about you when he said that, but just give him <laughs> just give him a, a nudge. Tell him I'm a nice guy and, and I won't bite. And the other thing I was going to say on this point is, um, you sign. You know, when you sign for a club. The manager must have a big um, influence on you know you making whether you want to go to that club or not. You know, like the Brian Cloughs, the Martin O'Neills. Mm. You, you you sign almost as much for the manager as you do the club. But then again, when they're being linked with being sacked and etc., again, does that get to you? Do you take that as a player personally? Do you try and give that extra ten percent for them? Um, I mean, you know, I always think players just give their all every week and sometimes they don't play well, you know, often they will and, and then they'll have some downsides. Mm. So, I mean, I think personally when I signed for Leicester, 
I'd been at Wednesday for three years and not got much game time. And in the last year I was there, I got more game time than in the other two years. But, you know, I still wasn't in the frame as a regular first team player. So it was a fight that I needed to move on and I needed to, you know, drop down into the championship. Uh, and, you know, that was part of that decision. It wasn't so much that it was Martin, it was the manager. It was a, mm. I knew it was a good club. I knew they were in a decent position. Um, you know, so it was going to be better for me as a player. I really, I'd spent far too many of my younger years playing reserve team football, as we, you know, we talked about earlier. And I, I, yeah. I felt I needed to, when I've been out on loan, I played all the time, obviously. And then you feel like you get to a point, and you think, I, just, I need to go and play somewhere. I, I'm, I'm, you know, more than likely um, going to play in the first team. But then I've had it on the other side when I was at Bristol City and uh, John Ward was the manager and played the first 17 games of the season and a new manager came in and I never played again for Bristol City in the rest of the season. So I played one game for the new manager. He decided that was it for me. <laughs> and then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Went out on loan a few times and, and then I left to go to Luton. So it, it is difficult. The, the change of manager is very, very difficult because you can get a manager who comes in with a change of style um, and you can get a manager who maybe over the years has seen you and not rated you and he comes yeah. to the club. Uh, you know, and for some players, it might be a manager that comes to the club and thinks, oh, I wonder why he's not playing because I've always liked him. And, you know, it can be a, a massive, massive, you know, plus for certain players. And that's the, you know, that's the volatility of, uh, of football uh, at any mm. level, I think, particularly lower leagues, but at any level uh, in football, that, that you know, really, really, yeah. you know, does affect you. Yeah, yeah. Rob says there, Julian, was it black and white TV as well as teletext? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was black and white teletext when I used to book my holidays, but I can't remember <laughs> back than that, Rob. <laughs> I, 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 even now, I get chills go down my spine when that, when that word teletext is mentioned. <laughs> so I just cannot stop thinking Wickham Wanderers yeah. and then getting their striker off teletext <laughs> who and beat us and scored the winning goal, obviously. Um, Rob, I think uh, I'll give Julian your address. <laughs> Be round to see you with his mates. No, 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 no. He's very, he's very handy with the golf club. Just, just be warned. <laughs> you know? Okay, we're going to come on to the last topic, and then we'll get to some of the questions. But um, we'll be right back. Yeah, pleased to announce um, as of. A week today, um, not only on a Tuesday is it going to be my night with the X, but it's also going to be the night I'm on the BBC. Not literally, but uh, the BBC Leicester City homepage. Um, every week I'll be having a comment on there about what's gone on over the weekend. So check it out. BBC homepage. They've redesigned it. It's where all the news is on everything Leicester City. And it's very much fans interactive now with polls and questions, etc. Uh, and when I say polls, I don't mean the nationality. I mean the questions, other than maybe some Polish viewers. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be on there every Tuesday night. So um, so pop along there and, and see what I have to say and, and give it a tick, a thumb up, uh, please. Right. Um, tonight, England played. Uh, but I've got to ask this. Are we playing too many internationals? I thought we were getting rid of the friendlies and yet we played a friendly the other week. We were three weeks into the season and we had an international break. When do the players get a break? And I know that, you know, I'm used to say, well, you know, they're on this much money and they're sure they can play twice a week, but they are with Europe and the cup games. Um, 
we have a break, and oh yeah, it's great timing for Leicester. We've got an international break. The players can get back, you know, to, no, the players can't get back together again because they're all split all around the world playing for their international teams. And then you've got um, Soyuncu, who had his confidence knocked when he got, you know, red carded for Turkey. Uh, he got COVID when he came back, so he couldn't play for us for a bit. Uh, Northern Ireland are wanting Johnny Evans when he's still injured, so how can he go and play for them? In Acho. Then he got injured the other day. I mean, surely they're just getting in the way, aren't they, Julian? Uh, I think they are. I think, I think the friendlies, for one, I mean, some of them sort of beg a belief with, you know, with the teams we're playing. I mean, and I even think with the, you know, with the qualifiers, and, and it might sound harsh, but I also, mm. I always think they should sort of, you know, like they have a pre-qualifying for the Champions League, they should perhaps have a pre-qualifying, you know, for the World Cups and the Euros because, you know, it's ridiculous as going to play, you know, some of the teams that, that we have to play. And I know they've got a bit savvy in, in the last 10, 15 years where they, you know, make things very, very difficult for you. But it, it's not really a competitive match and, and not really, you know, I don't think what you want to see in a, you know, in an international match. It's not what yeah. I want to watch. I want to watch, you know, two good teams going at it. And I, <clears throat> I genuinely think that, that they, they, should be able, they should have to pre-qualify to get to the next stage and then get with the seeded teams to actually qualify, uh, but you know, earn their earn their right to be there. So I do Another think one, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And some, some, sometimes with the friendlies, I think, that, yeah, there is too many. You know, mm. the the England team. I know it's difficult; they don't have that much time together. But you know, sometimes they pick a team. And you think, why have they gone to? You know, they need to be playing against Italy or Spain or France yeah. or you know, whoever. And yeah. it, you know, when they play someone a bit lower down, I think I, I don't see the point in dragging the players like you say away from the clubs. It'd be nice for the clubs to have a break and still have the players and get to work on a lot of things and, you know, get some, you know, yeah. injuries uh, back fit and what have you. So, yeah, personally, I think there are too many, to be honest. And like I say, I think with the competitive ones, we should uh, filter it down a little bit. But the problem with that is you're going to get a lot of clubs, if you do give them a break, will jet off to Hong Kong to play a bit <laughs> and play a case. So it can be a bit of self We've got another topic here that we agree on totally. What's going on with us here? Um, we're, just having, we're just having a Julie and Chris loving here. I think that's what it is. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've got the Nations League thrown in there, which France have just won. We got through to, I don't know, was it was it the, the, the quarters or something? But that was supposed to get rid of meaningless friendlies. But I'm looking at the, the, the like you said, I, I was saying... Why don't we have a position like that? And then somebody said, oh, you sound like those teams that wanted the ESL and all this. But look at our group now. You know, there's England, Poland, fair enough, two decent teams there. Albania, Hungary, hmm. Andorra and San Marino. San Marino have not won a game. They've not got a point. They lost to Andorra. They've scored one goal and they've conceded 32 I mean, how can an England team going out? What is Gareth going to learn by that? Why, like you said, I can remember when we had to go to Italy. I think Glenn Hodlin was manager to qualify for the World Cup, and we had to get a draw. And there was England and Italy were in that group. And I can remember was it Terry Butcher, somebody with Paul Ince, I think, blood, you know, dropping down his face and dying for his country. And that was a game I wanted to see. I can't be bothered with watching friendlies these days. So why don't they have it like they do with the, um, let's say, uh, uh, with the, with the competitions themselves, groups of four? It works for the Champions League. It works for the Europa League and the Conference League. 
you've got four teams, and in each of those, you'd have one bad team. You'd have, yeah. you know, teams would be seeded according to their, their their history and how well they're doing at the moment. So every group would probably have an Andorra San Marino. A, it gives them a better chance to live their dream because they're not up against, you know, as many big boys. But it makes for us, A, it's less games as well, but it makes for us better games. I'd love to see England play Italy and, and be on edge. Will England not get through? Will England get through? And... I just, I just get bored with it all. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I agree with on the four teams bit of it. I still think those, the bottom of those, has got to pre-qualify. You know, they've got to show. Uh, <laughs> he's a six. <laughs> I've just bought some new clubs, Rob. You're in luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it, but it's like you talk about the Nations League, and I didn't even watch the final. If it was been the European, you know, the Euro final. Whoever it was, I, don't, I would have watched it whether England were playing or not. But, yeah. you know, I heard the result the next day. You know, France won 2-1, big deal, and never really batting an eyelid about it. And I think in that, they're trying to create a competition to get rid of meaningless, meaningless friendlies, but they've made a meaningless competition. Yeah. You know, so it, it should be down to the nations. And, you know, if we want a friendly, it's got to be against the top club. And if San Marino wants a friendly, it might be against Andorra or it might be against Lithuania yeah. or, you know, whoever... Yeah. But it can't be against us. But if they just made, you know, had the friendlies, you know, and going back to golf on a bit of a handicap basis where you had the top teams, mm. you know, and, and and teams are in sections and that's where you had your friendlies because, you know, they, like I said, they've made meaningless competition in, in the, you know, the, the Nations League for me because yes. I'm not glued to my TV watching it, which I would be no. the Euros and I would be the World Cup. No, I, I don't say I, I literally watched five minutes tonight. I'd forgotten it was on and I was I was channel hopping and I couldn't be bothered. Um, mind you, I had just conceded the penalty. But yes, like you say, there's also um, Man United player, just that I'd throw that in. But yeah, there's also the fact that Clubs like San Marino, or say clubs, countries like San Marino, Andorra, Armenia, Liechtenstein, Scotland, teams that struggle, did I say that out loud? Teams that struggle to get through to these competitions. I can remember Peru getting through to the World Cup finals one year, which is you know unheard of. Australia did one, one thing, but yeah. it's all about... What UEFA saying we're not doing with the ESL, or we don't want, we don't agree with that. I think it's more about control than anything. We're actually doing with the Europeans and, and FIFA with the World Cups because you're guaranteed almost. If England don't get out of this group, we don't deserve to be there. It's as simple as that. And mm. it's the same, you know, with Germany. You look most of the time, the top teams are in the top two and are going to go through in one form or another, we're not going to see, you know, an Albania or somebody sneak in and get there because it, it's it's stacked up against them. But that's part of the fun, isn't it, seeing those teams turning yeah, up? Yeah, it is. And, and, and I think we've got to go through that process. And I think it's this all about football being fair to, you know, to everyone to you know, give them the, you know, the opportunity. But, like, you know, for me, it's, it's like, you know, I've said it before, it's it, they've got to warrant being where they are. And I think they need mm. to go through that process to get to that qualifying stage. And, it, you know, it's just like the Champions League. If you don't qualify for the Champions League and you end up in the pre-qualifying, you know, you're supposedly in with a mix of teams that aren't quite the, you know, creme de la creme. And you've got to mm. prove yourself to get through that to then compete with the best. Well, we're, yeah. what we're saying now is just, yeah, everyone's in the same mix. 
Uh, and, and I don't agree with that. I think, you know, earn yeah. the right to get into it. And like you say, groups of four, but earn the right to be that fourth team in that yeah. group of four. Yeah. And, and and then, you know, you deserve your bit of glory. You deserve your moments of fame. You deserve England and Germany to come to your country and play, you know, and get all the yeah. fans in and all that kind of stuff. But right now, it's just everyone in the pot. Uh, and then there seems to me like some, you know, pretty sort of worthless fixtures, but they could have their own little qualifiers, which would mean the absolute world to them, which we would yeah. see as a game that we'd never watch, you know, with two really low down teams, like Lichtenstein against Gibraltar. And for them, it's a World Cup final, which is great for them. But, you know, for us, it's not such a thing. But if they get through that, then they, they deserve to be involved a bit later on in the tournament. But, you know, let them go through that process and, and you know, uh, warrant the 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 fact that they're there. Yeah, I mean, you look at take take our Europa League group as it is at the moment. Moscow, um, as far as like Moscow, Legia Warsaw, one and two. Mm. You know, if you put that, and they may well go through, and good luck to them if they do. But had that group been a group of six or whatever, they may not be in with that chance. No, 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 no. And they, and they have both. I mean, you know, the way the results have fallen, and, you know, for us personally, I think it's a massive task now with, you know, Napoli losing that game as well. You know, that yeah. that really was the worst thing that's happened to us. Apart from our results aside, that defeat there, because, you know, we, we could imagine that they're going to go and win the next, you know, three games or something like that, which means we've got to, to, to sort of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, piggyback them and, and get through, which is possible that we could do it. Uh, it, it just seems, you know, on current form, that are we likely to follow them? I'm not sure we are. I hope we do. We, 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 we you and me should be running FIFA and UEFA. Yeah, <laughs> we'd get it sorted. Right. Um, we're going to just quickly run off with it, round off with a few questions that have been posted in here. We'll be doing that straight. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, week 8, score predictions. I'm not doing very well in that one, guys. I've dropped. Brad's overtaken me. We are joined tomorrow by Liverpool fan. I'm still ahead of the guests, so um, fingers crossed I can stay that way. So let's just have a look for the questions here, just going back down the channels. There was one earlier. Here we go. Um it was i think i can't find it at the moment but it was it was basically saying um about dementia in football at the moment is it is it a worry um you know if it, if it's a worry in football it'd be a worry for myself but, i mean i think i've been yeah. i think i broke my nose about i think four times it was and i've had concussion um you know headed the ball quite a lot you know and i know there's a lot mm. talks about it now and it was a a big surprise, not in a, I don't mean this in a in a horrible way, but Terry Butcher came out and said, take heading out of football. And I was quite, you know, really um, surprised about that. Um, and, you know, like I say, it could be a thing and it might be something that, you know, hits me later in life that we were never aware of. I mean, I think back in the old days, you know, the level footballs that my dad used to head with laces in them were a lot heavier and probably did a lot more damage. Uh, mm. He's all right at the moment, my old man. So, um yeah, Although he can't, he's not clever enough to tune into the show. I've got to add that in, but uh, I've been trying to talk him <laughs> through that for a few weeks now, but he, he can't do that. But, you know, oh, and, I, and I suppose, 
Is it the fact, is dementia on the rise and is it just footballers or are we associating it with footballers because they played football? You know, it's the same with everything. We've got to look at the statistics Um, and it it could be a thing. And 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 if it is, yeah, you know, it is a worry, like I say, for, you know, any centre-half, which, you know, that's what you spend, you know, a fair time of you doing on the pitch. Balls into the box, balls out the goalkeeper's hands, goal kicks, you know, you're always challenging, you know, for headers and, if it is a thing, then it's a thing and it's going to be a bit of a concern. Yeah. But um, I think there's probably a lot more research got to go into it and a lot more cases come up because I think there's a lot of people probably getting dementia uh, who've not played football and not had blows yeah. to their head, you know, and and, and uh, we're, we're all living a lot longer than we did, you know, X yeah, amount of yeah. years ago. So yeah. I think I should be dead of, by now. Things. <laughs> it's a wonder but, I mean you may look at me and think yeah you look dead you know it's a... <laughs> but it's, it's a good question Rob and I, and I think yeah that, you know there is a concern now I mean I don't particularly worry about it now I think my loss of memory normally comes from a couple of too many pints after a game of golf so <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know that's hey, get, uh, get hit by a golf ball you know it more than a football yeah, 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 you? Yeah, yeah. you know yeah, so, I think it's good though that they've stopped They've stopped it at a younger age, I think, because obviously yeah, the yeah, brain's you know, still developing, and it's you know, and yeah, so that's a good I, I, thing. I think, but I think yeah. the thing is, with you know, football happened and it's been mm. going along for a long, long time, and people have not really looked into this. And as we go on with modern day medicines, and then there's more people looking into things, you, you've got to look at every different angle for you know different things and different outcomes. And like they say, obviously there's a quite a few famous cases of people with dementia and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's got to be looked at, you know, really, really closely. Um, And and like I say, you know, personally, you know, in that respect, you know, I don't, I I feel okay at the age of 50, but you know, would it hit me later in life? I don't know. And would it be because of be football or would it be uh, natural again? You know, I'm not sure, but I think it's great these days that the science that follows absolutely everything that we do, uh, and if, like you know, if, if if it could be proven that it was a case, then obviously it would affect that the way that we let our juniors play football, and yep. and probably the way the professional you know yep. game is played at the moment. Who are you again? Sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> Scott says here. Um, as much as Brendan has done well, is it his tactics that aren't getting through to the players, or maybe the coaching staff not good enough? <sighs> I mean. Scott, I've only I've only managed very low down, but I always felt that every decision I took uh, was my own decision because I think I always felt if I was going to get sacked, I'd rather get sacked for a decision I made and not one of my coaches <laughs> made. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, in that, I mean, Brendan has got enough experience. Uh, he will have absolutely, he, he, you know, he'd be very, very clear in how he wants the team to play and how he wants individuals to play. And I think the coaches really just help him project that, you know, in a training session, mm-hmm. uh, in team talks, uh, when they do the analysis. I, I always think a, a manager is very single-mindedly clear in what he wants to do. I might be wrong, uh, but I don't think it's down to the coaches. Um, as we spoke about last week, my my thing was, you know, the formation that was successful last year that we were forced into due to injuries should we go back to that and and where do we sit with that? And I think right now, Brendan needs to find the right formation with the right players. Uh, And again, with, you know, uh, Harvey Barnes coming back, who's a winger. And then all of a sudden you think, well, I can't play a back three because then I can't play a winger or do I play him in the number 10? And where do we play Perez? I think he's got to forget 
I know where I'd like to play Perez. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think he's got to forget the individuals and go. What is the best formation with the players that you know? And, yeah. and what they fit right. Forget about the big names. You know, I've said yeah. that about England. England's of past. You know, it was all about getting eleven very good individuals on a pitch. He's got to forget about that. It's about getting the mix that works right, and that might be surprising piece of a jigsaw where a player you might not expect to be playing normally, but he, he just fits into what they're doing. I think they need to yeah. find that and the sooner they do, the better. Yeah, Terry says here, I both. Question tonight, but would you sign for Newcastle now if offered? I would. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking me? <laughs> I'll get me boots. <laughs> I'll, I'll be walking up the A1 later. <laughs> I think this is a more serious question from Terry. Um what was the most important thing when it came to, for moving the money on offer or the area of the country to move your family? Uh, difficult. That's different for me, Terry, I think, because, mm. I mean, I think if you're asking that to, you know, a top, top player, and I'm talking like, a, you know, a Premier League uh, regular, they've got those decisions to make. Um, I think a lot of the time these days, you know, the, the first thing the player talks about, I mean, the, the money is massive anyway, and I think, if someone nitpicked between, you know, 20 grand a week here and there because the, the amount they paid, that's insignificant. Yeah. I think a lot of them just want Champions League football. They want to be uh, competing at the top. They're desperate for Champions League football because it's the greatest stage for, you know, a domestic player to be. You know, the, the, the one puzzle that I always had was Joe Hart and why, you know, why not? Because there, there was a thing where he, I think a few years ago, it, it, Liverpool seemed to be interested in him, but he would have had to take a pay cut the pay cut would have taken him down to about 70 grand a week. And I'm thinking, you know, you, oh, know, if poor it, man. Bless you, you know, if you can get through the winter on 70 grand a week, you know, can you survive? <laughs> and, you know, come the summer, we'll all be all right. And, yeah. you know, that the, the decisions like that I've seen of players, uh, they really do puzzle me. Um, yeah. With myself, it was just progression. And, you know, when I was at Wednesday not playing and Leicester came in, there was a couple of options. Leicester was the best option. So it was a no-brainer to sign, you know, sign for Leicester. And again, when I left, we'll go to Bristol City and and so on and so on. But I, I think yeah. it's more aimed, Terry, at the, at the bigger players. And for me, I think it's got to be... I mean, they will always go for the Champions League. But for, for me, there's nothing better than playing at a club where the manager rates you, you fit into the team, you know, you're adored by the fans. It just ticks all the boxes. And I'm, I'm puzzled sometimes when players leave that and they say... I want Champions League football and they're taking themselves out of a really great position and maybe putting themselves in, you know, and it can all go a bit pear-shaped. Danny, drink water. Yes. I yes. mean, I, I'm a I'm a massive fan of his and there was a there was a point of me a few years ago, even when he was at Chelsea, saying he should still be in the England team because I think they should give him an opportunity because I thought he was a great player and he was great yeah. in that season with Conte at Leicester. And, and then you look at, you know, his aspirations and what he's done to him. And the problem is that does he care? I don't know, because he's earned that much money at being a failure after being a massive success. And, and when I say he's a failure, he's a fantastic footballer, absolute mm. fantastic footballer. But he's made that decision to go to Chelsea and then literally disappeared, you know, off the face of the football planet. And I think that probably answers your, your question, Terry. You know, that there is a decision that has totally backfired on who I think is a wonderful footballer. Uh, and I think, is it, is it ready now? I think so, yes. Some, yes, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's, well, I'm amazed, you know, I, I believe it's a very nice people. house and a very nice car. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, and that, you know, for me, the amount of money in the game is, does it take the ambition away from some players and does it make them a bit too picky and a bit too choosy? 
You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not so sure. You know, are they hungry enough? Because when yeah. they've earned enough and they can just go, oh, do you know what, I'm not bothered anymore. You know, it doesn't mean that much. In you know, 30 years ago, yeah. you were desperate for a new contract, desperate. Mm-hmm. And if a club came in for you, great, and you earned a bit more money, and you went and you know, you weren't bothered about what league they were in or what you know, it, it was about yeah. the progression of you as a player. Whereas it's a lot, lot different now with the cash. Brilliant, Julian. As always fantastic show mate thanks for coming on i'm gonna to have to definitely find something next week that we're going to disagree on <laughs> <laughs> and i'm struggling i am struggling really it's going do. to happen chris it's going to happen definitely <laughs> it, it, it is it will at some point it can't go yeah. on it'll be it'll be like arsenal being taken you know being managed by arteta at some point you know it's all going to go pear-shaped but uh, but no thanks very much i'll let you go no so you've got time to make a get well, say make a brew get a drink and uh, watch the highlights on ITV of England one hungry one but no <laughs> thank you very much as always Julian Thanks, and, uh, we will see you next week thanks a lot you take care Cheers, thanks. Bye-bye. 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 thanks to Julian there uh, for joining us he'll be back next week at nine o'clock um, as always and don't forget next Tuesday we've got this as well Indeed, we have. We are live. Well, not live, we're, but we're going to get a post every Tuesday on the BBC Leicester City page. And uh, it's the homepage for Leicester City on the BBC. And I'll be having a comment about what's happened for Leicester at the weekend. Good, bad or even ugly. <laughs> There's plenty ugly about me, I can tell you. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow at seven o'clock. Um and uh, with the Prediction League, uh, can I get a few more points this week? Probably not. <laughs> it's me, Brad. <laughs> and we have got Doug, who's a Liverpool fan. We've not had a Liverpool fan on yet. So he's been coming on uh, as the guest role. Um, so look forward to that. Seven o'clock tomorrow with the Prediction League. Thanks to everybody that's been in the uh, chat. Thanks to uh, Scott for, for modding tonight. Uh, welcome along as always, Scott. Thanks for all you do. It is much appreciated. Don't forget, catch up on this on YouTube. I don't have a plus one. Um, that sounds really sad, doesn't it? But you know what I mean? I'd have a plus one channel. I'd have a plus one either. I got rid of the wife. Now, that sounds like I murdered her. Um, but you can catch up on Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube. Please, if you do, or if you haven't yet, please nip over to our YouTube channel, let's say Leicester Till I Die TV, and click on that subscribe button. I would love you forever. And if you want to listen to us and um, catch up while you're doing the washing up or mowing the lawn, uh, Leicester Till I Die podcast on Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, Google, Anchor FM, Spotify, and Podcast Addict. Got it right? Yes, got it right. To name just a few. Um, <laughs> I'm easily pleased, you know. I am easily pleased. Over 9,000 listens on the podcast. Unbelievable, Jeff. Not even been doing it for 12 months yet. And we've got 9,000 listens on podcast. Really, really thank you guys for all your support. Thanks for joining in with the show. It wouldn't be worth doing without you. Still do it, though, but talking to myself. <laughs> See you tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Stay safe. Thanks very much. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Be sure to watch Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube and follow all their social media platforms 
for the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club. Elliot here. Be sure to watch Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube and follow all their social media platforms for the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club. Until I die. Subscribe, like, follow, and join in now. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.